Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Can we talk? Do you have a hard time with the Old Testament? Yeah, I see one head going, no. And I see everybody else going, yes. So many stories about so many messed up people, so many, some people really have the sense that the God of the Old Testament is much more wrathful than what we see in the New Testament. Sometimes you have big commands, and then sometimes you have, I don't know, little commands that don't like eating shellfish. What's that all about? You've got talking snakes, you've got floating axe heads, and in this passage you've got a chariot of fire that goes up. What, what, do, I, what do I do with this? Let me offer you today wisdom from the ancient and the medieval church, where even though there were far few, fewer people who had books and could read it for themselves, the church did give people, frankly, more helpful tools for how to read or how to hear than is often the case in the modern era. The ancient church and the medieval church offered this counsel for people as they read the Bible or heard the Bible. First, read it literarily. Try to understand what's going on. Where are we in this story? Who are the actors? What's happening to them? What's the context? What can you tell about the world around? And what's going on? Do the best you can with it. But because, as our colleague said today, Jesus Christ is the cornerstone of a holy temple that God is building. The ancient church and the medieval church had the profound sense that while this book was like all other books in that it had human authors with real features and their own characteristics in it, it was also a divinely given book that's telling a singular story about Jesus Christ and his church and our hope. And so the church counseled especially when you get to the Old Testament, beyond asking what's going on in terms of the literature and the story, ask three more questions. What do we learn about faith, hope, and love? Might an Old Testament passage be pointing ahead to Jesus Christ in whom we are to have faith? Might an Old Testament passage tell us something about hope, what our ultimate destiny is, personally and for the world. And third, what might an Old Testament passage tell us about our responsibility to love, to love God and to love our neighbors? So what I'd like to do today is just take a, take a brief look at, at the passage about 
Elijah and Elisha today to see what we, what we might learn. Okay, literally, what's going on? As Josh reminded us last week, the story of Elijah is one of a mighty prophet who stands up against the Baals, who stands up against the house of Ahab, and still has a very human need to be fortified and to be strengthened, to be strengthened for ministry. And today, we find out, we, we get a window into the transition from the completion of his ministry to that of his, his successor, Elisha. And in the storyline, here's basically what's going on. Elisha, who is from Gilgal, pretend this is the River Jordan. He is, Elisha is from Gilgal, which is like right here. It was the site at which all the Israelites were consecrated under Joshua when they were brought into the promised land. That was his home. And he wants to take a trip over to Bethel, the house of God, and then he allows Elijah, I'm sorry, Elijah allows, I'm going to get these names backwards all day long, so fill in the right answer, right? So Elijah... He knows that his days are coming to an end. He had previously put his mantle over Elisha, who was going to be the, um, his successor. And Elijah is going to go back across the River Jordan, back into the wilderness from which Joshua and Moses had delivered God's people into the promised land. Elisha wants to go with him, and Elijah lets him. So... Elijah and Elisha go over here to where the Stevens family is, away from family Kirby, into the wilderness. Y'all are in, in pagan territory, sorry. And here, just as Moses had been, had spent his last days before sending the people on with Joshua, so now Elijah Elijah at earth, maybe that's the Lord telling me I need to get back up there. <laughs> Elijah leaves planet earth on a chariot of fire. But before he goes, he gets there by taking his mantle, hitting the water, and it separated just as the water had been separated when the Israelites came across. What he's doing, he's, he's anticipating the fact that Israel and Judah are going to continue to rebel and God is going to send them into an exile, the northern kingdom to Assyria and the southern kingdom to, uh, to Babylon. And they're going to need a new exodus. They're going to need to be brought over again. And it's going to be by the successor, well, Elijah is going to leave and his successor, Elisha, is going to come back across and anticipate that great deliverance. So, Elisha asks, could I have a double measure of your spirit before you go? And Elijah says, well, that's kind of a hard thing, but I tell you what, if you watch me and keep your eyes on what's going on and you see the chariot of fire, you'll get that spirit. And so Elisha 
does watch as the chariot of fire goes up. And he says, Father, Father, the chariots of fire, the armies of heaven. I paraphrase because I don't have my book in front of me. The armies of heaven. And Elijah's gone. The mantle is on the ground. Elisha takes it up, goes to the water, and just as has, ha has happened with Joshua, he strikes the water, the waters part, and he goes across, and he begins his new ministry, a, a ministry of the conquest of good over evil, the way Joshua's conquest of the land had been a conquest of good over evil. Okay, that's a story. Now, what do we do with that? Well, the ancient church and the medieval church would have said, before you just try to draw lessons, ask if Jesus Christ is in the passage. Well, in Jesus' life, was there someone who went into the wilderness and said, prepare a highway for our God? and took people into the Jordan River and baptized them with a baptism of repentance, saying that someone greater than I is going to come, and he's not just going to baptize you with water for repentance, but he's going to baptize you with, with the Spirit and with fire. Yes, there was, and his name was John the Baptist. And when Jesus was asked point blank, was John the Baptist, maybe, was he Elijah? And in Matthew 11, Jesus says, if you're willing to hear it, John the Baptist was Elijah. Implying what? Who is Elisha? Come on, people, this is just like every, every children's sermon there ever was. I know it looks like a squirrel. It's got fur like a squirrel, but it's got to be... Yeah, okay, one more time. I'm going to give you one more shot. If John the Baptist is Elijah, Elijah in the New Testament story, it's going to be, that's a little better, but still pretty Episcopalian. It's okay. So, the, the one who goes into the water, repenting on everybody else's behalf, but comes up to receive that second measure of spirit, the Holy Spirit who comes upon him so that he can go into the wilderness and he can stand up against, against the evil one and so that he can go throughout the land healing the sick, raising the dead, and who can proclaim and demonstrate and teach the kingdom of God, that, that's the new Elisha, that is Jesus. And who is the one who will not only receive that double portion of the Spirit, but upon his, but upon his rising from the dead, will go to the Father and pour it out on all the rest of us? That would be Jesus. So, what the ancient church would ask us to look ahead to in this passage is John the Baptist's greater, just as Elijah passed things on to the greater Elisha. 
John the Baptist passed things on to the greater, Jesus, who received power to minister life and health among us. And then when he went to heaven, he shared that same spirit with us so that unlike in the Old Testament where the anointing was occasional, the anointing can be permanent. Unlike in the Old Testament where the tendency was the spirit to come upon and could be withdrawn, in the New Testament, in the new covenant, when Jesus pours out the Spirit, the Spirit comes in and takes up residence, makes himself at home, and gives us the power to speak and to live in such a way that lives are changed in more profound and fundamental ways. So, we try to understand what's just going on in the story, that we look to what are faith's lessons about who Christ is, who he is, and what he has come to do for us. Then the next question you ask is, faith, hope, does this passage teach me anything about my hope? Well, see, if you're only looking at the literal level and just trying to figure out where we're in the story, you can get stuck at chariots of, a chariot of fire. Was there a real chariot or was that a metaphor? But if you go beyond that and ask about what is the chariot doing in the story and what might it mean for me, it might open us up to the realization that what we pray at every, every burial and memorial Eucharist is true. For your faithful, O Lord, life is changed, not ended, and you were preparing a dwelling place, an eternal place of rest for all your faithful people. This passage, read through the lens of hope, becomes an invitation for you and me to look ahead at the casket in which we're going to lie and see there a chariot to take us to God's own bosom. I don't know about you, but I need to know whether it's a chariot of fire or whether it's a casket that God, that God will hold in his hand, that that will be my chariot of fire. And third, the fourth level of reading, the third of the questions, faith, hope, and love is love. What do we learn about love here? Well, God loved me so much to fold me into this amazing story that stretches from Elijah and Elisha to John the Baptist to Jesus and has loved me enough to send that, that same spirit that Elisha received and that Jesus received. And if he put that in me so that he could, be, so that he could forever be no further away from me than my own skin, and if he is there to empower me and to strengthen me and one day to carry me to his own bosom in my own chariot of fire, how can I not love him and adore him? 
and live my whole life to want to please him and love for my neighbor. Last week, Josh talked about how beautifully God loved Elijah in the midst of his tiredness, in the middle midst of his anxiety and his woundedness, and he gave him like a double nap and a fine meal so that he could go and he could strengthen the other 7,000 who had not bowed the knee to Baal so that he could be strong for, God strengthened him so that he could be strong for others. Elijah, God had more work for Elijah than merely being ministered to and cared for. He wanted him to go stand with the other 7,000 and speak courage into their hearts. And he told him, go anoint a new king for Israel, go anoint a new king for Aram, neighbors over in pagan world, and prepare for the next generation, anoint Elisha, and teach him my ways. The Apostle Paul, he, he, the, the principle is the uh, Charlie Kidd when he was a toddler principle. Charlie Kidd is my oldest. When he was like two, toddling around, I may have told you the story, forgive me if I have, I only have a, I only have a certain number of stories. We were in our family room, I had the TV on, and it was one of the news channels, I won't tell you which, because that'll be too revealing. <laughs> and we were rolling this volleyball back and forth on the floor, just rolling it back and forth. And so we got to the, the, the hour when the, 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 the show was changing over, and I said, hey, Charlie, let's go catch the news. TV was up on a stand. So I go over and I sit down in front of the TV and Charlie goes up and he goes, Charlie, what are you doing? I'm catching the news. Just like he'd been catching the ball. You know, life just comes out of you. And there's always, always, always somebody who's watching you and noticing the faith that's in you the hope that's in you, and the love that's in you. And so this text becomes a very simple call. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who crossed through the boundary, the, the boundary of death to rise, to give you his spirit, and to live in you, and who goes, has gone before you to prepare an eternal place of rest with him, and who now is there for you to love because he has loved you and will love others through you. He really will. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.